Welcome to the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. I am Becca Kephart. Happy GBO week, everyone. I can't believe that GBO is here, but here we are. I'm so excited. The weather forecast this week is looking pretty good here in Kansas. Should be a fantastic event. We've got 40 competitors in FPO. We've got tons of people, 1,600 players overall coming from all over here to Kansas. And yeah, I'm very excited. And just a reminder that starting Wednesday on Smashbox TV's YouTube channel, you can catch live FPO in the morning and they'll be covering every day of the tournament uh, with live MPO in the afternoon as well. Lots of post-produced coverage of FPO. FPO1, I believe, is on Jomez. And then FPO2 will be on Gatekeeper Media's channels. So check that out. Really great that we're going to have so much coverage of of the ladies playing out there. And uh, yeah, it should be a fantastic event as always. And Lupe and I will be at the block party on Saturday afternoon and evening of GBO week. So this coming Saturday, uh, we'll be hanging out at the DZ Discs booth. So please come say hello. We would love to meet you. We'll have some t-shirts and hats and stickers and minis for sale. Um, but yeah, we would would love to get a chance to, to talk with our listeners and, and say hello to anybody who wants to stop by and say hi. So please do that. Hey, speaking of Lupe, the last episode of Lupe and Becca Throw Discs, we gave away, well, we (laughs) theoretically are giving away an Envy and a Proxy, but I commented on the posts of the winners and no one got back with me. So if you were trying to win one of those discs, maybe go check out that YouTube video, see if you're one of the winners. And if I don't hear from anybody this week, we'll find another way to give away that Envy and Proxy. Speaking of giveaways... I did another very bad job of fantasy picks for Jonesboro. (laughs) So that means that I got to pick a winner from everyone who did better than me. And that was like pretty much literally everybody. So you're welcome, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, so Slipkid33, you are going to be getting a Disc Golf Pro Tour Upper Park Pink bag. So congratulations and keep an eye in the mail for that. So a quick recap of the weekend's action from around the country and around the world. We had a couple of A-tiers going on this weekend. Uh, The Bowling Green Amateur Championships uh, occurred out in Kentucky and wanted to give some shout outs to the winners out there. Uh, Shout out to Taylor Kramer, who won FA1. Uh, Myla Pumala won FA40, Carolyn Barty won FA50, and Cindy Varner won uh, Female Rec. So congratulations to everyone who competed and to the winners. Uh, the Rumble also took place this weekend. That was an A-tier in Illinois. And oh my gosh, this this course looks interesting. They played on a couple different courses uh, and round one and round three, a 24-hole course. Uh, Today it was set in the lawns and it just looked like a monster beast of a course. So congratulations to everybody who competed out at the Rumble this weekend. Uh, In FPO, it was a really tight battle all weekend between Christine Jennings, Haley King, and Vanessa Van Dyken. And Vanessa and Haley actually ended up going to a playoff today and Vanessa won on the second hole. So congrats to those ladies and yeah, all the players out at the Rumble. 
Also wanted a quick shout out to Kristen Tatar. She played in the Dutch Open this weekend, which was a B tier, but she shot a 987, 984, and 975 to win by 18 strokes. So congrats, Kristen. That's awesome. And shout out also to Ellen Widboom. Ellen posted on Instagram. She uh, competed and won in the Freedom Open C tier this weekend in Georgia, but she had a walk-off ace, which is pretty awesome. She was going to win anyway. She was the only one in her division. However, <laughs> to end a tournament on an ace and to shoot a winner for the tournament, play really well. That is phenomenal. So shout out to Ellen. That's great. And also this weekend was the Spotsy's Finest uh, All-Women Tournament. So I wanted to give a shout out to all the winners who competed out there. Uh, Kelly Boyce won FPO. Samantha Meritz won FP40. Alicia Knox won FA1. Patty Joseph won FA40. Julian Erst won FA2. Jillian Ernst, I said your name weird. I apologize. I sometimes just don't word so good. Uh, Austin Bridgeforth won FA3 and Madison Chandler won FJ18. It looked like everyone shot really well uh, at that tournament. Uh, all the winners did. So congratulations to our winners and everyone who competed out at Spotsy's Finest. Hey, another plug for our new women's Slack channel. Uh, we've had a bunch of people join. We're really excited about it. Uh, Danielle is creating all this awesome stuff. We've got a very full event calendar where you can go and see uh, all the women's events that are coming up as well as, as all the other uh, big events. Um, we also, she just started a women's league map with Google, which is awesome. So if you click on this map, you can start to see where all these women's leagues are all over the world. And we're adding to that as uh, women league directors join our Slack channel. So again, this is an open invitation to all women disc golfers who are interested in, in participating in this community. Um, we're here for you and uh, we're just really excited about it. So you can reach out to Danielle or I on Facebook um, or email me at ladiesofthechains at gmail.com and we'll get you an invite link to the Slack. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, my conversation with Sarah Lamberson. Ladies First Disc Golf is the most comprehensive retailer for women's disc golf needs. With over 50 five-star reviews on Google and Facebook, listen to what their customers have to say. Carla C. says this is the place to shop when wanting to get something special for the disc golfing ladies you know. The superior customer service, ability to quickly make custom orders, product knowledge, and utter kindness shown to all makes this a standout company. If you are looking for stylish and comfortable disc golf apparel and discs for women disc golfers of all skill levels, Ladies First Disc Golf has your needs covered. For Ladies of the Chains listeners, we're offering an exclusive 20% off discount on your next order of $19 or more. Visit ladiesfirstdiscgolf.com and use code LOTC20 at Sarah checkout. Sarah Lamberson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking some time to speak with me. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on. I'm pretty sure we could spend easily the next 20 minutes and then some just talking about our dogs. <laughs> and, uh, we won't do that, but why don't we go ahead and start there for maybe people that don't follow you on social media. Tell us about your puppies. Okay. It's kind of a funny story. So uh, when my partner, Sean Sinclair, and I got together about, what, four and a half years sure. ago now, he had two Italian greyhounds and they were both seniors and uh not only that they're both on the very small side of the breed mm -hmm. and one of them had kind of a disability her spine was 
um, kind of messed up from birth. So they both looked a little bit different. Mm. And I grew up with, you know, uh, mixed type breeds and sure. bigger, hardier dogs. <laughs> and so when I first met them, I was like, oh, like, what are these things? <laughs> and he, I would say probably once a month, he's like, remember when you said that about the Italian grants? <laughs> but uh, no, then from there, I just totally fell head over heels, not only for them, but for the breed. And mm. I never thought I would be a breed specific person. Sure. I always kind of looked down on people like that. But now I'm I'm sorry to everyone that I judged because I totally <laughs> fell, fell in love with the breed. And uh, we lost Timber at mm. 15 and a half years old wow. about three years ago. And then Bamboo we lost about a year and a half ago mm. at 16 and a half years mm. old. So they lived very, very, very long and fulfilling lives. Mm-hmm. And they were on the road with Sean. They have played disc golf in all 50 states, oh, wow. hundreds of courses. So they lived a very good life. But then we got uh, Otis. So he was around during Bamboo's time. Um, and then from there, we were like, oh, well, Otis is a tiny puppy and he needs another another dog to play with. Mm-hmm. So then we got Bruno and we drove all the way to Utah to get him from a family that had an oopsie litter. Mm. Because they're, they're kind of hard to come by. Um, we tried rescues and didn't work out. And then we were like, okay, we're good. We've we've completed our family. We've got two dogs, mm-hmm. one for each of us to kind of keep an eye on. And then we, uh, long story short, there was a family friend that they had three kids and uh, not a whole lot of time to prioritize their dog. And we kind of asked if they were... We asked a family friend, like, oh, are they, would they ever consider rehoming him? And they're like, yes, actually, they would really like to do that. So we went and I met him and we changed his name from Comet to Coltrane mm-hmm. to fit in with our funky musician theme of Otis Redding, Bruno Mars, and John Coltrane. Yeah. And now we have three dogs. <laughs> and he's like, we think he's like Boxer, Pitbull, Yellow Lab, and Beagle. So he's nice. a cool mix. Yeah. So that's really funny because we have, um, so when my husband and I were dating really early on, we had this conversation that we thought that Zeke was a really good dog name. So our first dog Mm -hmm. is a full golden and he's 11 and he's Zeke. And then for our 10 year anniversary, we wanted to get another dog. And Mm -hmm. uh, like we were, we wanted it to be a musician name. Like I think Coltrane was actually on our short list. And I was talking to my best friend like the night before we went to get our little rescue guy. And she's like, what about Zeppelin? I'm like, duh, that's exactly the right name. And he is such a a Zeppelin. So what kind of dog is he? Is he also golden? Yeah, he's a golden mixed with Lord knows what. Like he definitely (laughs) has some hurting breed something in him. He's the most vocal dog I've ever seen in my life. Like he's... He's hilarious, but he's That's pretty incredible. great. I think our next dog probably needs to be Zappa, like just sticking yes. with the Z musician thing. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's... yeah. We were uh, we were going back and forth between Coltrane and Hendrix, and I did yes. a little poll of people in my life. But it's funny enough we got so the Italian Greyhounds don't uh, they don't have undercoats, so they don't shed that much. But when All we right. got Coltrane, he was like like <laughs> every day I was vacuuming, All and right. I'm if you've ever been to my house, I'm like kind of a psycho about keeping everything very orderly and neat. So Sean bought me a robot vacuum. We ended up naming that Hendrix. So he's like our fourth (laughs) dog. (laughs) He frustrates me more than 
the actual dogs sometimes. Yeah, Hendrix was totally on our list too. But yes, you yeah. should probably not come <laughs> to my house. My co-host will tell you, like, I try, but there's there's no hope. There's always going to be dog hair around. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't judge other people for it. I'm just like myself. I can't I can't work in an environment where it's like even slightly cluttered. Sure. So. That's kind of a psycho in that way. Totally fair. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So since we are a disc golf podcast, let's go ahead and switch back to disc golf here. All right. <laughs> so yeah, what's your disc golf origin story? How did you come to the game? So I uh, did my undergraduate at a school called Indiana University of Pennsylvania, and it's in Western PA, right outside of Pittsburgh. And I started playing competitive ultimate there, and uh, I actually went to school. Um, initially for classical piano mm-hmm. and bass clarinet. And so I was in the music department and funny enough, my piano teacher, he was also, he's just like a jack of all trades and he was also the cross country coach. And there was this disc golf course that was owned, that was on a uh, property owned by the college. And so he would take his team out to run the course, the cross, cross country court slash disc golf course and with like one disc and just throw at the baskets and stuff. So he was like super into disc golf. So I'm telling him during one of my piano lessons one time about a tournament that we had coming up for ultimate. And he was like, Oh, if you really like that, you might like disc golf. And I'm like, okay, sure, (laughs) whatever. And so I go out with him and he's like, he's in his seventies now. Um, I go out with him. He's like this little old man. Uh, he could be a jockey. Like that was one (laughs) of his backup plans in life. Seriously. Like he's so tiny. And, I shot probably 40 or 50 over par and I'm like a pretty competitive person. So I was like, Ugh, this game's <laughs> stupid. Like never going to play this again. And then of course I, I played it again many times <laughs> and kind of gave up on the ultimate career and started playing disc golf. And, uh, the Pennsylvania state championships was on that course mm. that year. So I ran into someone um, who was running that tournament and he was like, Oh, you should play. I was like, okay. So was the Pennsylvania state championships was my first event ever. And I won by default in like the recreational division as many of us women do when we first start out. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of cool. It was very fateful. Um, I don't think I would, I, I don't think I would be playing disc golf as if it wasn't for Mr. Fry yeah. or, or going to school for piano. Yeah. Um, and then my life would, I wouldn't have met Sean and right. I wouldn't, doing a podcast and it's just it's crazy I think back just how many how many little steps along the way would have been different that's awesome that's another like kind of weird life parallel that I have with you because I I did get my undergraduate uh, degree in music oh yeah what was your instrument um so guitar is my main instrument I did music composition so I have like training and pretty much literally every instrument there is. Oh, that's um, awesome. My students always stump me though. They're always like, have you played accordion? I'm like, all right, I haven't played accordion. <laughs> so there are some that I haven't played. Have you played, have you played the contrabass clarinet? I haven't, but I have oh, written for, uh, for bass clarinet. I love yeah. bass clarinet. Um, it's one of the most badass instruments out <laughs> right? there. I think yeah. as far as symphony band instruments goes. Right. But it's, I, I think yeah, it's crazy because um, not at the time, but when I got, you know, back into disc golf and got really crazy uh, serious about it a couple of years ago, 
uh, one of my absolute favorite music professors from my undergrad plays and she's been playing for like awesome. 30 years or something a really long time so I got to play wow. around with her in St. Louis a few years ago oh, which was super really cool. cool so I'm hoping next time I'm out there to play with her again because it's just this really neat thing that you know yeah we happen to share and uh, yeah she follows the the podcast and stuff now too which is really fun so oh, that's super cool all right awesome. so you start playing in your undergrad and then at what time like kind of what point did it get serious for you did you start thinking about playing pro um so it wasn't serious for me for several years so that was back in 2008 Mm -hmm. and then I became a PDGA member in 2009 basically because I was a I wanted to play more events and the guy that I was dating at the time also got really into disc golf so we started traveling to maybe within like four or five hours um of the Pittsburgh area we played the amateur world championships in Ohio in 2010. And even at that point I was just, you know, I was like totally geeking out on all of the pros and stuff Mm -hmm. at the time, but I never really thought that I would become a pro. Like I never, I guess I never really thought that I would have time to work toward that Mm -hmm. or prioritize it. Um, and then, so fast forward to 2010 slash 11, uh, in between undergraduate and grad school, I did an AmeriCorps, a year-long AmeriCorps oh, program. Cool. So, yeah. I, yeah, so I moved to Mississippi and lived in poverty for a year <laughs> and volunteered, uh, served organizations all around the Southeast for a year. And I played just very, like, I couldn't play in any events. I didn't even, there's no way that I could even commit any time to practicing playing tournaments, anything like that. Um, so I... Basically, I probably throw through like three rounds for that entire year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before then, my IUP, where I went to undergraduate, had sent us a team that I co-founded to the Collegiate Disc Golf Championships mm-hmm. in um, it was North Augusta, uh, South Carolina at the time. And I went to that before AmeriCorps and was like, "Oh, this is a super cool scene! Like, Collegiate Disc Golf is really special." Mm-hmm. And so when I when I was looking at grad schools, I was like, okay, I really like the Southeast. It's much warmer than Philadelphia, where I'm from. I could play the disc golf all year. Let me try to find a school that has a team, a disc golf team. So I only applied to schools that. So I back up for a second. I didn't end up graduating with a uh, music degree right. because I, the joy kind of got taken out of it sure. for me a little bit yeah. when I had to perform certain pieces and do mm. all that. So I ended up getting a journalism degree, and I was looking at. Grad, undergrad or uh, graduate schools for journalism and marketing, but also for disc golf. And I ended up going to University of South Carolina and playing collegiately there in 2011 and 12. Um, and even then, it wasn't, I don't know, I played in a couple amateur world championships again and played some like A or uh, C and B tier events, but. Even at that point, I don't think it really hit me that I was I had a knack for it or could do something bigger in the sport. Um, and then in 2014, I played Amateur Worlds in Minneapolis because I have family out there. I was like, oh, this is convenient. I can visit my cousins and spend a week with them and also play. And I got second behind Vanessa Van Dyken, who's a good friend of mine. And I, I think at that point I was like, oh, I guess I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> like, all right, let's yeah. let's try to keep going with this. And funny enough, I also met Sean Sinclair out there as well. Yeah. And that's uh, where we 
started dating and uh then I played U.S. Women's that year, and I did not play very well. I was going through some back issues, mm. um, and I was like, "This is, you know, this is going to be my last amateur tournament, and then I'll just see how how it goes." Yeah. And so, two thousand, the end of two thousand fourteen, I started playing pro, um, and it's I it's just kind of weird for me to think back like ten years ago mm. how I got started. I was like you know, wearing like my Birkenstocks and my, <laughs> <laughs> like my tie dye shirts and just like had two discs, like my Valkyrie. And right. I think I had a buzz that I loved and was like throwing those around. And it's crazy just the, how it has totally taken over my life right, right. <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Disc golf just seems to kind of have a way of doing that. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you've got other interests, like my journalism background, my yeah. marketing background, it's just yeah. kind of has fit so well with yeah. other aspects of uh, the disc golf indir- uh, industry. Yeah. I love that you say that because that's, that's something I think about a lot, especially because we're still a relatively small world, but we're growing. And yeah. as you know, more people come to the sport with these different backgrounds and skill sets. Um, it's just, it's a real joy to see people get to use kind of their whole selves in disc golf yeah. um, to grow and promote the sport. It's really great. So, yeah. So now you, you co-host PDGA radio each week and yep. uh, you play a lot of tournaments, play pro, and then you also work full time. So can you talk a little bit about kind of finding the balance of being a person who has a full time job, but also is playing in the pro field? Well, I don't think I have found the perfect balance yeah, yet. Sure, and that was sure. pretty yeah, and that was pretty obvious. So I pay, I played uh the Jonesboro Open Disc yeah. Golf Pro Tour event two weekends ago and you know, I roll into town and I'm I'm very fortunate to uh, you know, have a full time job, but even more fortunate that I work from home. Right. Um I work for a company called OB Hospitalist Group. I do marketing for them. Uh, and they're located in Greenville, South Carolina. So I only have to go to the office like once a quarter, if that. But other than that, I can, you know, wherever I have my laptop, I can just work from there. So, you know, Jonesboro was the perfect example. I'd never played the course before. Mm-hmm. I'd only seen it on videos. I knew that it was long. Uh, I rolled into town Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. And my plan was to uh, work from a Starbucks or whatever on Thursday and then just play a practice round and I get there and it's, you know, they're calling for rain and I'm like, well, crap, you know, if it's going to rain, like there goes my only practice round Mm. sort of thing. So that would already have shot me in the foot. Luckily it, it didn't rain till later. So I got that round in, but it's just, it's just amazing how much, uh, experience on a course or having knowledge of a course puts you ahead of your competition Mm -hmm. And I played really well round one, and I feel like some of that was just, I don't want to say dumb luck, because mm-hmm. I, I know I have the skill to play that course really yeah. well, but it was like, oh, I don't I don't know exactly where the OBs are, therefore I wasn't mm. scared of them or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and the wind, also the weather was the best day the right. first round. Right. Or it was the best the first day. So the second and third day, just things fell apart mm-hmm. on a couple select holes, 16, 17, and 18. Mm-hmm. And I just, I kind of just blame my lack of preparation and mm-hmm. maybe I should have taken a day off, um, you know, on Thursday to get maybe another practice round in, or at least some like driving practice or putting mm-hmm. practice right. just to build some confidence before 
that event. But at the same time, I was explaining to uh, Vanessa, we stayed together at that event, like, I could either take off just one day for Jonesboro and one day for Ledgestone and one day for Idlewild or whatever, or I take off three days to play Ledgestone and mm-hmm. that's it. Right. So I, it's kind of a balance between quality versus quantity, mm-hmm. um, which is really hard for me because I, I want to go out and play all the big events with all the best in the world, right. but I'm never going to be as prepared as they are. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's what I'm trying to trying to balance that now, but I at least I'm aware of it, sure. <laughs> and I can try to figure out ways to overcome it. Yeah, um, just need to be a little creative. Yeah, definitely. So. Well, hopefully, as some of these you know tournaments repeat and things like that, at least the courses are somewhat familiar. There's always yeah. tweaks and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the the Jonesboro tournament was was really interesting it was really cool it was really fun you know to watch what we could and I know you mentioned that that course is now in like your top 10 or top five uh yeah can you mention maybe some other of your favorite courses are there other ones that you would put in your top five as well yeah so I'm a very loyal person (laughs) and I I'm not sure that I would I can't say for sure that I would put this in my top five if it wasn't the first course that I ever played, sure. but the, the IUP college lodge in Indiana, Pennsylvania, it's yeah. built on a ski hill and it's just, it's beautiful in the spring and the fall. Um, just lots of elevation change and, uh, really remarkable, memorable holes. So that one, and then, uh, there's a course that Keith Johnson, uh, designed in Lula, Georgia. Mm. And it, also is very memorable. It's built on uh, a property that has zip lines tours. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's and they've got teepees uh, that you can <laughs> glamp in that, that have like heating and cooling and <laughs> uh, bunk beds and all all the like. But the course is just pristine. Mm. Um, really, there's a chicken shack hole where you're literally throwing through an old chicken yes, coop. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. This is all I've seen this. And yeah. it's just, yeah. And it's just a course that's got like really good vibes. Mm. Like when you go there, it's just like, everyone's happy. Everyone has a smile on their face. Like how can you not, if you're staying in a teepee, <laughs> it's just a really cool experience. Awesome. Um, and then here in Nashville, my favorite course is Cedar Hill. Uh, that's, I, I played there yesterday and it was pretty terrible weather, but we got through it. <laughs> Awesome. That was going to be my yeah. next question. If I go to Nashville, what is like yeah. the one course that I've got to play? Yeah, I would say Cedar Hill. The local favorite, I would say, is Seven Oaks near the airport. Yeah. Awesome. So. All right. I know you talked quite a bit about this uh, on the PDGA radio podcast, which I recommend everybody go and listen to. It's on, Thanks. there's probably like, I don't know, maybe if I'm honest, like six to seven podcasts that I listen through all the way every week and it's one of them oh thank you um that totally freaks me out when people are like oh i listen to the podcast and i'm like oh my god i hope i didn't say anything crazy that happens to me too it's easy to forget sometimes like oh people actually listen to this well that's exciting (laughs) yeah uh but your mixed doubles event i just think that's such a great template for ways to get more people involved in the sport and especially more women playing so can you just talk a little bit about that event uh the way you set it up and and then the um the way that you did fundraising this year as well 
Yeah. Um, so that was a baby of mine when I lived in Columbia, South Carolina. And I started it six years ago. And then when I moved, I lived there for two of the years that I ran it. And when I moved, everyone was like, well, who's going to run the mixed doubles event if you move? And I was like, oh, I guess I, <laughs> I guess I have to. So I drive seven hours <laughs> and I've got boots on the ground. I've got people that I ship stuff to and like all the tournament discs go straight to them. So I don't have to drive everything over there the weekend of. So that's definitely a logistical challenge for me, um, sponsorship wise. And I've, I've had to get very creative. Um, you know, I'm, I am networking kind of comes easily to me. Uh, so I've networked a lot with players and, uh, disc golf companies. And I've got so many supporters just all throughout the disc golf community, all across the country Mm -hmm. that just send me, just send me stuff. And I just collect stuff throughout the year, whether Mm -hmm. it's like towels or minis or whatever. And I just put it all in boxes. And then, uh, when January rolls around, it's ready to, to start planning for the event. I've got tons of stuff. And I think this year we had, we had a hundred CTPs and, uh, six ring of fire prize packs, like probably worth over $50 a piece. And then we have this huge raffle and just, I would just say for people running events out there, um, if you can do it in, in tandem with a charity, people are yeah. way more willing to help and support, uh, and volunteer and give money and all of that. Um, and we raised over $5,000 yeah. for the South Carolina Cancer Alliance this year, just from, just from all the people that are willing to to help me and the players. And it's, it's actually become the biggest mixed doubles event in the world the Mm -hmm. past, uh, three years. So we had 60 teams this year, um, just mixed doubles. So that, that's another thing that when people actually (laughs) like when my event fills or I get a huge sponsor or something, I'm like, Oh my God, I just, (laughs) I just feel so lucky. And, Mm um, I always say it's my, it's like Christmas, my birthday (laughs) and Halloween all wrapped into one. Like it's, my favorite day of the year and it just it always happens so quickly yeah. like I I feel like I want to cry afterwards because it's just like <laughs> so emotional um because I, I lost my mom to cancer when I was 11 mm-hmm. so it's very very special to me to be able to raise money for this cause mm-hmm. yeah so, and, yeah. You, and you do different divisions right so like someone who has just picked up a disc can still go out there and compete yeah. So it's a sanctioned event. We've done, we've tried it both ways. Um, and people like getting points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the PDGA member like, likes getting points when they play events. So we started, um, only doing it sanctioned. So we've got, it's colors. So it's red, blue, and gold. Mm-hmm. And the lowest division is red. And there's mm-hmm. different, uh, there's different rating caps okay. in each of those divisions. Um, so unfortunately if, say you and your husband are, you know, if you're a thousand rated and your husband's like 800 rated, Mm -hmm. you have to play in the division that both of you are eligible for. So that would be the highest division. So unfortunately there's some, uh, hiccups with that sometimes Mm -hmm. where people are like, Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm rated too high or I'm rated too low. And it's like, well, you know, you have to play where you're eligible for. Um, and it's trophy only, uh, if people get really up in arms about stuff like that, I tend to 
directly and respectfully tell them, right. you know, this is this is for charity. Yeah. Uh, I understand you want your points and all of that, but you know, I, I run this event for a to ra- raise money for the charity and b so that everybody has fun and leaves with tons of prizes at the end of the day. Yeah. So the the points are not my right. top priority at all. Right. Sure. And you did with the the fundraising this year, you did actually a competition, right? For who can yeah. raise the most. Yep. Yep. So <laughs> that was just another one of my harebrained ideas of like, okay, I'm, I'm tapping out my players as much as I want to, you know, one guy bought like $200 worth of raffle tickets this year at the raffle. And my players, they, they give me as much money or give the charity as much money as they're willing to give. And that's amazing. So I'm like, okay, how can I, how can I tap their friends and family now? (laughs) So yeah, um, I worked with Innova and throw pink. Um, this has been a throw pink event for the past several years and they gave me two baskets, um, Discatcher, I think they're the Pro 28s in pink. And uh, I got them at reduced cost. And uh, I did a GoFundMe competition that whoever raised the most money by the day of the tournament would win um, a basket per team. So one per person. And we raised over $1,500. And the winning team raised half of that, wow. like over $700 of that. So... Yeah, um, and uh, and not everyone participated. Sure. Not every player participated, but I'm hoping that you know I I gave the the baskets during the players meeting to yeah. kind of hype it up a little bit more, and I'm hoping if people are like, man, I want to win a basket, right. that more more people will participate in that part of it next year. Oh, yeah, well, and I think that's that's just so smart too, because obviously you're having this tournament that's a competition, so you're probably going to be attracting a lot of competitive people, right? Yeah, and so true. to be able to like kind of tap into that for charity is just yeah. fantastic. I love it. I think that's just such a good idea. And hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully more people will replicate that because I think that's really good. Yeah. So speaking of raising money, you've got a soon to come fundraiser disc, and you're also doing a Junior World sponsorship. So can you talk about that? Yeah, those two are kind of tied together. So in 2015, I won uh, the PDGA Rookie of the Year, and I wanted to do a fundraiser disc. But like I said, I I feel very fortunate that um, I don't rely on my winnings from disc golf to really support me and Sean and our lifestyle and our dogs. (laughs) So having the full-time job, I was like, you know, I don't feel right about just selling a fundraiser disc Mm -hmm. and just pocketing all the money. Like, I don't, I don't want to say I don't need the money because, sure. you know, I, I want to go out to some nice dinners and things like right. that, but uh, it's not a necessity to me. So uh, back in 2016, I did the same thing. I sold discs and donated a chunk. I don't remember what percentage and sponsored, did the same sort of thing and sponsored a junior um, and teamed up with a couple, I think it was Jennifer Allen and a couple other people to help me kind of spread the word because they were much bigger names than me. They are much bigger names than me um, currently, too. <laughs> and <laughs> so I kind of tapped into that. And this year, I'm lucky because I've got the platform of PDJ Radio and mm-hmm. have uh, acquired a few more Instagram and Facebook followers that I decided to to work with one of my other sponsors, Disc Baron, mm-hmm. in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And he's helping me uh, work with an artist and get a custom disc stamp made and I'm going to donate a big chunk of that to um, a junior who is hoping to go to the junior dis- uh, world disc golf championships. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, I started kind of putting the word out there in advance of having the discs because I, I'm sure families are already planning and preparing for the world championships now. So I want to get ahead of it a little bit, but I'm hoping to have the discs in hand, uh, in the next few weeks. So yeah, it's really exciting. We'll see. And this is the first time I have announced this, but I've had a, an anonymous person that is also going to donate, uh, money. A couple people actually have, have, uh, come to me and said that they also want to donate to oh, this cool. fund. So I may, we may do like a first and second place prize oh, awesome. instead of just one big chunk to one person. So more to come on that, but Wonderful. I'm pretty excited about it. All right. So before I let you go, let's talk discs. Cause I am a disc golf nerd and I always <laughs> like to hear about what people like to throw and what's in their yeah. bags. So tell us a little bit about what's in your bag and some of your favorite discs to throw. Sure. Um, so I, basically throw everything under stable unless there's a lot of headwind. Um, my go-to drivers are G-Star Daedalus, G-Star Turn, uh, G-Star Sidewinder. If there is a lot of wind that I need to combat, I go to the G-Star Wraith and a Champion T-Bird. Um, I'm a super minimalist, so that's, let's think, um, other than that, I have a DX Leopard in my bag for if I just need like a big turnover shot or some kind of roller or something, but that's pretty much it as far as drivers go. And then mid range G star Mako three DX rock, uh, star Atlas and a star rock three. And then my putters are Casey pro AVR. And then I, um, use a classic AVR beadless AVR for approach shots. And that's, that's pretty much it. That's awesome. I don't, yeah, there's some discs that come out that Innova makes that I'm like, oh man, I feel like that would suit me pretty well. But I just, I feel like the more discs and the more molds you carry in your bag, like the more decisions you have to make. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather just get to know my discs more and be able to be confident putting them on different lines. So, yeah. I yeah, like, I like that a lot. I, I like to keep it pretty simple, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you again so much for taking some time to speak with me. Where can people find you and where can they find more information about uh, the junior uh, sponsorship and your discs and all the fun stuff you're doing? Yeah. So um, I post everything on Instagram at Sarah, S-A-R-A, Lambo, one word, L-A-M-B-O. If you'd like to follow my dog's Instagram account, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, Iggy Bro. I G G Y dot bros dot uh Otis dot Bruno dot Coltrane. I know it's super long, but I'm I feel guilty. I was like, oh, I have to put all three of their names in there. Um, so yeah, those two places. I don't accept a whole lot of friend requests on Facebook sure. anymore, but most of my stuff is stuff is public. So awesome. yeah, very good. And any shout outs you want to shout out your sponsors and and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um. Definitely Innova Disc Golf. They've been sponsoring me since 2014. Um, and I, I love the G-Star Plastic. As you can tell, it's pretty much all I throw. So, um, And then Ladies First Disc Golf, they picked me up a couple of years ago, and I adore Jenny and all the stuff that she does for the sport. Um, who else? Heiser Flip Disc Golf, Flying Colors Disc Golf, Disc Baron. I think that's it. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much again. And yeah, best of luck to you this season. And I'll 
I'll hear you on PGA radio, if not before. So Awesome. Thank you for supporting us and thank you for having me. The Kansas City Disc Golf Divas are passionate about creating unforgettable disc golf experiences for women and girls of all ages. Join the Divas on May 11th for the 5th annual Diva Spring Fever held at Rosedale Park in Kansas City. This women's two-round event is part of the Heartland Women's Series and sure to be one of the highlights of your disc golf season. To register or to sponsor the event, visit igotthefeva.com, that's igotthefeva.com, where you can also keep updated on women's league nights, upcoming diva events, and volunteer opportunities. Thank you for listening to the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. Thank you again to Sarah for the conversation. You can find Sarah every week on PDGA Radio Podcast that she co-hosts with Steve Hill. You can find that on just about anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you to DZ Discs, where the disc you see is the disc you get. If you are a new customer, you can use the code GUITAR at checkout for $5 off $25. And yeah, come see us at GBO this week. Have a fantastic week. I hope you get to play a ton of disc golf. And we'll catch you next time here on the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. <laughs>